Hello listeners, it's Philip here. I'm with my brother Peter. Welcome to your favorite podcast, The Doubles Alley. Um, today we're going to talk about how the, how the Australian Open ended and I guess the week since then. Um, we're a little late, um, but we don't apologize. We're just late sometimes, okay? Um... Another thing we, I, I would apologize for, though, is not choosing Novak Djokovic to win the Australian Open. Um, I at first had him losing to Sverev in my bracket, and then when he, and then when he seemed to have gotten injured against Fritz, I mean, he did get injured against Fritz. I, I was on here saying he had no chance. Um, I had Medvedev beating him in the finals when it looked like his body was fine again. Uh, but no, he won. He won in three easy sets. Um, and Peter, based on this, uh, my prompt to you before we really get into the tennis is, uh, you know, what's something totally obvious that you may have lost sight of but were reminded of recently, like such as, Novak Djokovic being the man to beat in Australia. Yeah, I don't know. Recently, uh, I guess maybe Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. And it's like, yeah, he's actually the greatest ever. Um, but I think sort of similar theme is that there was a kid in our high school who you just like watched him read and he was one of these people who would look, stare at a page for five seconds and then move to the next page and then flip the page and just, he probably read like 200 pages a minute or an hour and, uh, was doing trigonometry in fourth grade. And, uh, he was, he like, at least in an academic sense, like pretty brilliant. And, but he really downplayed like how much he cared about school. And, uh, but like every year at prize day, he was one of the top three people in our class. And you just, it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Ken is one of the top three people in our class. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He somehow wasn't talked about in that way just because, uh, <laughs> He thought it was cooler to pretend to not care. Um, yeah, for me, I have a... a, uh, a different example. It's uh, I recently bought a puzzle, a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. I, I've always liked doing puzzles, but I had forgotten that. I haven't done puzzles in years, but it's like, oh yeah, puzzles are fun, and you don't have to look at a screen. So that's that's my uh, thing. That's totally obvious. Puzzles are fun, but I forgot. There, there's about. also and oh yeah, puzzles are actually really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do the yeah. sorting and stuff. And mine has a lot of different like blues, like of like similar shades, um, like a blue sky with blue water. So you know, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be an endeavor, but I kind of want it to be because. Uh, once it's done, it's done. Um, yeah, and the yeah. point is to waste time. Um, anyway, yeah, and I guess uh, 
we no longer have as much tennis to waste my time. There was Montpelier this week. Uh, I guess the... I guess we'll talk about the Australian Open before we talk about um, this week's tennis. Um, I guess, uh, what are your takeaways from the event from uh, Melbourne? I just think uh, the, the first one is that Novak, Novak Djokovic is just like really, really good in the finals of a Grand Slam. Yeah. Uh, he was <clears> such a beast was... in that match. I don't think it was necessarily like obvious from the get-go that we all should have known he'd win, but he did get that just cakewalk of a semifinal, and he's kind of like, but he wasn't. He didn't crush Zverev. He didn't crush Rayanich. He uh, and he he wasn't like rolling his early round opponents either, even before his injury. Um, I think he's kind of reached that stage Rafa reached probably three years ago where he probably only has like two just epically good performances in him um, for a major and he tries to peak for those. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we kind of underestimated that because the semifinal was so easy for him, he could really bring that like peak A game for the final. And when you get peak A game, big three, regardless of who it is, it's going to be better than any of the new generation. And peak A game Djokovic is better than the other two of the big three. Um, and it was kind of validating a little bit for Rafa too where, like, Rafa's been on the other side of this from Djokovic in finals of Grand Slams. And I started thinking that Djokovic had his, like, his his A game for other people, and then his A game for Rafa, which was, like, a whole, like, three levels above what his A game for other people is. Yeah, I think that's but, part of why he played so well against Medvedev. Is he really does respect Medvedev. So he yeah. sort of brought his Rafa A game against Medvedev. Yeah, exactly, and and I guess my last point is that, um, yeah, I guess it's clear that he has that just super A game for final that he saves for finals of Grand Slams against people he really and truly uh, respects and considers real competition, um, and maybe it's not just against Rafa. Maybe it, maybe. I think it, it's it sort of just just adds a another layer of impressiveness to Djokovic that because Rafa's really been the opponent that he's had to do that to his entire career because Rafa's been the second best player, um, but Djokovic is adaptable to the new second best player. That actually might have been the best tennis match I've ever seen Novak Djokovic play. Like at least in the third set, like like. Medvedev was, like, really trying hard to get back in the match, but Djokovic just shut the door on him, like, every single time. Like, there was a love-all 4-2 volley that Novak hit. That was basically... Medvedev hit, like, an awesome return. Joker just stabs at it at the service line, half volley, like... And it was just a perfect shot. It's just... Yeah, and 
another thing is like they had so many rallies where both were just hitting incredible depth. Novak was just on the baseline, just like smashing the ball, like off like a half bounce. And uh, yeah, they were just, it was just like backhand to backhand, who's more solid. And Nemedvedev wins those rallies against everyone else. But Joker's just like, no, I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sort his of no, I'm hard better out. than you is, is just so ridiculous. Yeah, and then uh, another observation I have is, uh, so what do you think of this analogy? Sort of uh, Medvedev is to Djokovic on hard as team is to Rafa on clay. Uh... I just think because mm, because uh, Medvedev beat has beaten Djokovic uh, in like less important tournaments, but in like the ATP Cup final and both Australian Open matches, uh, Joker uh, Joker was the better player, and it's like team has beaten Rafa. I guess he's he's won he's beaten him in in uh, the Australian Open and. U.S. Open, but um, on clay, team has beaten Rafa in like in like Madrid, and you know the the Masters one thousand events. He he scalped him a few times, but uh, when they've met in Roland Garros, Rafa is Rafa is one. I think team got a set once, but it's been majority three sets. Yeah, I guess they're. There's more of a sample for team versus Rafa um, when both have been top five players at the French. I think team might actually be a little more proven than Medvedev, even though Medvedev is becoming pretty proven. Um, I think the only sort of knock on that analogy is that I think team is... is uh, I think team on clay might be sort of a level above Medvedev on hard court, partly because there are just fewer really good threats on clay. It's really just team Novak and Rafa, whereas on hard court, like team is also a really good hard court player and probably should have beaten Medvedev in the finals of the ATP Cup um, this past year, it's not like he's he's head and shoulders above the rest of the crop on hard. Yeah, um, yeah. Team has more of a resume, but he's also like older. Um, and uh, but yeah, Medvedev is the guy who Djokovic least wants to play on a hard court. I think. Um, think that much is is true um and he just smashed them um is there are there any other i guess uh last time we talked it was i guess the quarterfinals were about to start around a 16 um i guess a few interesting things happened rafa lost to sit to pass uh what did you think of that result uh i mean Really disappointing for Nadal. Uh, he was up to love. And the, the last three sets were actually pretty close. He was injured and did the thing where he didn't talk about being injured 
which I kind of respect. Yeah, he um, started just shanking balls in the third set tiebreak. Like, and you could just see what was happening in slow motion after that. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. It was exactly and, the same as when Federer's back was bothering him those few years when that was happening. Yeah, and so um, maybe a blessing in disguise that he lost. Uh, yeah, because he was not going to win that tournament. Yeah, he wasn't going to win. Um, he can really be sure that he's not, he doesn't like aggravate anything in the lead up to Roland Garros. I, but I don't know it. It's more of a, what if he'd been healthy? He looked really good in, I forget who he beat, but the round before was its past match. He looked, I think it was Fognini. He looked pretty awesome against Fognini. And, uh, I think that to your previous point that Medvedev is the person that Djokovic least wants to play on hard court. I still think it's probably a healthy Nadal or a healthy Federer because those two can reach a higher level. Yeah. I think that was like, what, what sort of hurt about that Sispas loss was at that point in the tournament, we still thought Novak might be like, might be like uh too injured to to take it all the way to the final like uh yeah and so we were just like oh shit this could have been his australian open um but then that proved not to be the case uh another match that was sort of disappointing uh at least for me i mean karatsev was a great story um but there were two disappointments for me in there. One was Felix just not being able to get by him, which is just like, come on, Felix, you're supposed to, you're supposed to give us something. And then uh, Dimitrov was playing so well. He won the first set against uh, Karatsev and then uh, just started having back spasms, um, which was really bad luck for him. And like a Dimitrov in top form is just something that's good for tennis. So that we all sort of missed out there. Like as much of a good story as Karatsev was, I would have rather had a healthy Dimitrov going as far as he could in the tournament. Yeah, same. And Felix, like I, I was watching the Felix match and he was up six, three, six, one. And it was just a, a roll, a steam roll. And he just, I think it, it, then the momentum turned and he couldn't turn it back. And you sort of saw like, um, he's just like when I think, I think he just sort of, I think it's a mental toughness thing. I mean, he might you can blame it on out. his youth, but what do you say? I think he psychs himself out because, uh, he's also been in like seven finals of tournaments and he's never won a tournament like and before before australia he lost dan evans in the final of like uh one of the lead-up events um and like felix should beat dan evans you know like and it's yeah. it's been like it hasn't been like nadal in the finals it's been like dan evans sorts he's been playing in these like 250 events um and this was also like going to be a milestone for him he was going to make the quarterfinals of a grand slam um, and I think he might have just frozen. And the thing is, like, 
he was it's kind of like the US Open where he was playing so well and then just got throttled by team. He he played really well in the round before that. Just crushed uh his his countryman Shpovlov. And uh but you just sort of know that it can just turn for Felix on a dime and um he can just sort of lose his flow and then when he what then when the flow is gone he is a much worse player. Yeah, his, I mean, he beat, he beat Dennis. Such like, a, yeah. There's such a gap between when he's really flowing and when he's just in a in a rut. Yeah. And it should be said that when he is in a rut, he has very annoying mannerisms. You can tell that he's Canadian during those moments. Uh, yeah, I don't think I noticed those. I think he's just pretty stoic, and I actually... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually a fan of his, his mannerisms. No, I'm a fan of him in general and his, like, persona. Um, he's a good role model and that kind of thing. It's just, he has a, he'll, like, uh, look at his racket, like, with a really, like, stern face or something, or, like, put his hands on his hips. And not, not, like, stuff like he doesn't yell at the ref or anything he doesn't do stuff that's like bad for the sport it's just like yeah i guess uh it's not annoying to everyone but it's kind of irritating he's, he's kind of a beta i would yeah, say yeah yeah like yeah he's, he's not um it's like he he's he just sort of takes it. it it doesn't feel at least at least on the surface it doesn't feel like he's he has that, like, I will not let this happen, kind of. Yeah, maybe that is, like, the the final thing. The, the final hurdle for him is mental. And it's, like, when things, like, turn against him, like, that, that just determination to just... I will turn this around rather than this is happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess another match is worth mentioning is Medvedev uh, Rublev. Uh, that was a throttling. Yeah, I remember watching that match and just thinking one of these players is a lot better than the other. <laughs> I think Med- I think Rublev has a ceiling. He's yeah. he's he's, he's going to be a Burnich Ferrer. Sangha. Yeah. And then the next one, the next match. He's, he's very consistently at that ceiling, though. Yeah. He just sort of has one, uh, one move, sort of, which is just hit the ball flat and hard. Um, I mean, you can get pretty far with that move. Like, look at Stan Wawrinka. Uh, I don't think he has... I, I actually think he can... I think he can get to, like, Stan... He can he can reach Stan's level. Like, I mean, maybe not as good as Stan, but uh, I think I'm more bullish on him than you are if you think he's, like... He's, like, capped at, like, five in the world. Dude, Ferrer was a really good player. Uh, I just think he's not. There's just something that um, 
he he's he's limited slightly in both movement and just shot making. Um, like he can hit it hard, but he doesn't just he doesn't see the angles and and uh, and he's not he's just not as good a mover as the guys ahead of him. Um, and I feel like Ferrer was kind of the same way. Like you were never, you, it was very rare to be sort of wowed by some sort of like creative angle that Ferrer, like I think it's, it's his creativity is limited. And I think that that's something that can be limited um, all the way up to until the Grand Slam champion threshold. Yeah. Someone whose creativity is not limited, uh, a pass. He also uh, was kind of thrashed by Medvedev. I forget if he won a set or not, um, but it was <laughs> it was not a close match. Um, basically, Sitsipas looked like a physically imposing. Like he was, he looked like a physical force against Nadal. Like he was like I was just wowed by his yeah physicality. He was just like strong and fast and just a mega athlete. And then, uh, but yeah, I don't, he wasn't able to like, he, as, as good as he looked physically against Nadal, he, he looked like he, he was like flat against, um, Medvedev. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure if he has the conditioning to do, to do a five set match, uh, seven, seven, five in the fifth match and then come back. Uh, it wasn't 48 hours later. It was like 36 hours later, which I think does make a difference. Um, I mean, not 36, but like 42 hours later. Um, if he had those extra six hours, it might've been a different match, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, physicality is, so big a part of his game um and one issue with that being such a big part of your game is that uh you often have to do it over and over again over the course of two weeks and so you need to be in even better shape to like pull it off like like other players sort of like that is like team and nadal basically uh yeah, and they can do it. They can do it once and then do it again. Whereas, like, uh, yes, it's past might not quite have that like stamina. Yeah, I think you really have to be better than everyone else to have to be able to do multiple just peak level matches in a row um, and long ones. Like Nadal during his physical prime was able to do it. Djokovic is able to do it but i think in, i think less so increasingly um i think he even djokovic he was i mean if if uh yeah i just think that if djokovic had had a harder semi-final he may not have been that much of a force for the final uh if Sitsipas had not had that match against Nadal, I think there's just a mental stamina to it 
Um, and we've, we've seen this a lot, like, and I think what it goes to show is it's not necessarily just youth that you need to be able to come back from a really big, long match. It's also just mental and emotional, like refresh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Medvedev really did look awesome just sticking it to those guys. Um, and we all thought going into that final that Medvedev was going to win it. And we weren't the only ones. Um, like a lot of people were saying that. And I guess now is like a good time to reach the subject of Djokovic's injury. Um, like what do you think was going on there? I don't know. He said he tore an oblique, but that was in, that was right after the match when he didn't really know. There's a difference he between a tear torn and his a, oblique. Yeah, there's a tear, a tear oh. and a strain, like uh, are like very different in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of severity. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it was a strained oblique rather than a torn one. Yeah, uh, and so. I'm sure it was painful. I'm sure it hurt, but a uh, a more an injury to the degree that he professed, I guess, in the heat of the moment, would have limited his his uh, his play a lot more. Yeah, it 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 is. Uh obvious that it was a much less severe injury than we initially thought uh that said when it happened like there was no doubt that it happened you know um and so it's like uh it was one of those things that looked bad and probably felt bad and thank god uh, like when, where you wake up and thank God, oh wait, it's not as bad as I thought rather than you wake up the next day and be like, shit, this is much worse than I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did sort of, uh, he did sort of milk it a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was a talking point. Uh, I think uh, another w- way he got lucky, though, is that Zverev was also having an abdominal issue. Um, he wasn't fully healthy. So basically, Novak's draw was just in- extremely light. Like, he played Tiafo, which was actually a good match. Uh, he played Fritz, and then, do you remember his fourth round? Um, oh, Ranich, who's, who's like not... Yeah, I watched that match, and it was, uh, Ravenish just isn't that good anymore. <laughs> he's, like, very heavy. He's, like, he's, like, so slow. So, if, like, you can return a serve, then you're probably going to beat him. Um, yeah, I was disappointed in Ravenish in that match. Uh, and then, uh, Sverev, who was injured. I mean, Sverev was playing pretty well, but he, he also, like, the injuries canceled themselves out, and 
and Novak's a better player. Um, and then uh, Karatsev in the semis. Uh, and then I guess his one one big challenge was Medvedev in the finals. Um, yeah, and so yeah, he got lucky in a lot of ways this tournament. But, I don't know. I think, yeah, he got lucky. Um, everyone healthy, though, he's still the best player. So, it's the kind of thing where the best man won. Um, yeah. So, you can't knock it too much. Also, afterwards, uh, I guess now's a good time to pivot to, like, what's to come uh, this season. Uh he was talking a lot about how he's just not going to play that many tournaments with all these COVID, uh, I don't know, uh, restrictions, like not being able to travel with his family is like a big deal to him. And so he basically said he's not going for the number one ranking anymore. It's like uh, he might end up with it, but it's not a priority for him. Like it's basically he's going to play fewer tournaments and focus on Grand Slams is like what he uh, what he basically said, which is like, yeah, probably what he should be doing. But it, it seems like there might be an opening for a new number one. If like, yeah, because Nadal and Federer have been doing that for a while now. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, it's smart for Djokovic. He's going to have the weeks at number one record. Um, he already has the Masters 1000s record. And if he has the Grand Slam record, like there there will be very increasingly few arguments against Djokovic as the greatest ever. Yeah. Also, he might just be so good that he'll end up number one without trying. Like, yeah. Like, uh, to be number one, you're probably going to have to win a Grand Slam, and if it's just Nadal and Djokovic winning these things, then, you know, he could just play, like, eight tournaments and still be number one. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, if one of these guys is just like, okay, I want to be number one in the world, uh, I'm going to play every tournament I can. I'm going to play, I'm going to play 38 weeks, you know, uh, just rack up the points. Uh, yeah, it might be there. Um, cool. Um, I guess this week there were some events. Uh, one match I want to highlight is uh, the Nadal Guff, or the Batista Guffan match. That was a really good match, I thought. Um, Guffan looked good. And that was another uh, one where it's like, oh yeah, Guffan's a good player. Just like, oh yeah. Joker is the best son uh, in Australia. Like, uh, yeah, it, w- it was just like uh, one of those reminders. It's like, oh, yeah, when Guffin's playing really well, he's fun to watch and he's really good. Um, so it was good to see him do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it making you question your your optimism on Batista Goop? No, no, no. He's, uh, he's, 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 He's going. He's he's going to peak at the right time, you know. Yeah, you still have him for Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. June is when he needs to be at his best. Uh, right now, who cares, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, 
And I mean, you know, indoor, indoor hardcore, it's no, it's not grass. Um, but yeah, uh, and I guess coming up, we sort of have an, uh, apparently Indian Wells is not going to be played. Uh, I don't know if Miami's going to be played. Uh, the thing about the season is it's so weird that Australia was in February. So like a lot of the February events, like that little U.S. swing, like I don't really know if it's happening. And then, uh, yeah, before we know it, it'll be clay court season. Like clay court season starts usually in April and it's already like March. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those things. Roland Garros, it just happened because we had Roland Garros in October. But like Roland Garros will like, be here again pretty soon yeah hopefully it can be nadal's number 21 i feel like nadal's gonna have the uh grand slam record for a much shorter period of time than like pretty much anyone has had it because Djokovic is just around the corner yeah but he can see it coming you know whereas like sampras retired thinking that that record would stand for like like decades and then Federer just, and like five five years after Sampras retired, Federer had already like beaten it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whereas like Nadal, he, he needs to win this French Open to like ever have that record, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like imagine. And I think. Djokovic yeah, wins the French Open. Djokovic will have it for a very long time. Yeah. Because. Because it's Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic with 20, 20, and 18. And then Stan and Murray with three. Chilich with one. Team with one. Yeah. Yeah, and like, like, team is like 28 or something. He's not going to beat that record. Like, just mathematically, it's like kind of impossible. Like, to get 20 Grand Slams, that's four and a half years worth of majors that you're winning. And Joker will probably end up with like twenty two or twenty three. Like, uh, yeah, is it four and a half? No, that's five years of majors. Twenty twenty Grand Slams is five years of majors. Yeah, uh, yeah. twenty two is five and a half years of majors. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Like Medvedev said after the match, like, wow, what Novak done is has done is so so amazing. Like. I'm 25 now. If I win every Australian Open, uh, to 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 get to nine Australian Opens, I would have to win every single one of them from now until the time I'm 34 without like being injured for one or like losing to anybody, which is just like yeah. impossible. And then a lot of these guys have like off surfaces, so it's not really like like five and a half years of Grand Slams. It's like yeah. It's like a solid 10 years of being at the top of the game. There's no way to do this without owning a tournament the way that Rafa owns Roland Garros or Novak owns uh, the Australian. Yeah, like the most even distribution is probably Federer. But yeah, like you sort of have to like... The thing is it's either... If it's like a clay court specialist like Rafa, like Rafa's... Rafa's won uh, seven non-clay Grand Slams, so he's, like, a great... Like, if you took clay out of it, he'd still be an all-time great. But, like, 
his his best if your best surface is clay you have to win like yeah you have to win like 13 of them to like be in this yeah it's sort of like these records are sort of skewed to like the hardcore player um yeah uh, yeah like imagine if there were two clay grand slams like there would be no doubt who the greatest is yeah exactly yeah but anyway uh do you have anything to add no i think i'm out yeah i mean uh yeah i think the next actually interesting thing that's going to happen is uh clay court season um from now until then it's going to be some tournaments uh but i think the the big the big guys are going to be traveling less with covid like with covid going on and um and yeah just gearing up for uh the tournaments that matter most so we'll probably be back uh either end of march or early april uh to preview clay court season um until then thanks for listening and uh hit us up on twitter at doubles alley pod with any uh with any comments you might have and yeah la bomba